your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. This is Byron O'Neill, media editor for Comic Book Yeti, sitting down today with Adam Nave and Valentine Barker to talk about their new project, The Airless Year, a new YA graphic novel from Dark Horse Comics. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah thank you. with the, the city with my second favorite bookstore. So you guys can call Portland home, which I'm envious. <laughs> um, all right, so we're here to talk about The Airless Year. So got to focus here. Um, I really enjoyed the book. It's excellent. Um, so we should probably tell everyone out there that's listening what it's about. So why don't you break down your elevator pitch for me? Oh, I'll let Valentine take the first swing at that. Okay, great. Um, it, it follows a uh, young queer Black woman in uh, New York City. She's about 12 years old. And her, her home life's not really the best. Her school life's not really the best, and she has this tendency to disassociate, uh, imagine uh, fantastical things around her. Uh, but through the course of the book, she really learns to uh, like cope in a healthy way and de- develops agency in, uh, in her own life. See, that's why I let you do this. You're good at it. Yeah, but you're the one with the words. No, no, I'm the one with the words with like a lot of time to work on them and polish them to make people think I'm smart. Well, this is true. Yeah. One of the things I I really, really enjoyed about the the book is is this kind of unique timeline element that you've set up, like almost like 12 different chapters for the months of the year, if you will, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that chronicle the main character Casey's struggles, how they evolve and kind of resolve over time. So did you start out with that format or was it adaptive? How'd that come about? Um, well, there's, God, I, I can actually admit this because even Valentine doesn't know this. Um, on the one hand, we realized fairly quickly that we could not address the issues at hand quickly, right? It, unless it's a sitcom, it, everything's not going to wrap up in 22 minutes. And so a year made a nice bookend to it. And once you have a year, we knew, there's only so many pages that anyone's going to give us. So we're going to have to figure out how to get through a year. Let's, you know, break it down to discrete months. And that'll start narrowing our focus on anything we do and know what we have to check in on. Um, the, the big secret thing that I know Valentine's sitting there shaking his head at is this is the first solo full-length graphic novel I've written solo. Like, I, I've now said solo twice. This is why I don't do this by myself. Um and I wasn't quite sure how to structure it at first in my head. You know, writing single issues is a lot different than writing a graphic novel. You know, the same thing when I was, I used to write short stories and I moved on to novels and it's a completely different world. So on some hand, I, I very quickly started pushing for the, well, we could do discrete months to make them chapters that are roughly the size of the old issues of Amelia Cole, because I knew how to do that. <laughs> and then I could just stack them, you know, like Lego and make a book out of it. And it kind of feels like cheating, but it works. So. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like this is a, a, from what I was reading from, you know, the afterward, the sketch and everything, 
um, at the end of the book, it was a far more collaborative process than your average comic endeavor with both of you and the letterer, Frank Fetkovic. Um, yep. So tell me about the genesis of starting, you know, to kind of work on the project together. I mean, how did you start on this together aside from, hey, we're just both in Portland? Uh, I, I mean, really, it is just like, hey, we're both in Portland. Um, <laughs> I, I met Adam <laughs> like eight years ago, seven, eight yeah, years ago. Eight, so, eight. Yeah, somewhere in there. And uh, ever since then, uh, he's been one of many people to try to drag me into comics. And uh, eventually we just got to a point where we're like, OK, like enough just talking about it. Let's actually do the thing. Um, and when we decided to do the thing, uh, I am very opinionated and I want to like, we're, we're both process junkies and I'm opinionated. So I like to be involved with as much of the process as possible, uh, even if I don't know how to do it. That way I'll learn something. Uh, and then, yeah, we just, we roped Frank in and uh, we really enjoy like working with one another and each other's company in general. So we just, figured we would pile on as much as we could right and and you know you have to keep in mind here that like valentine you'd already started writing some short comics by then yes frank is also a writer and an artist and i you know i can't draw for anything but you know when i work as an editor i could at least speak art and understand what i'm what i'm doing so all three of us had enough skills that we all very much understood what the others would have to do job-wise and we could very much speak to it and offer really great insights that the others might not have so why not actually leverage that um but realistically it's you know what's work really closely with like people we truly love spending time with and that i mean that's kind of the best way to make comics and you know it led to having constant meetings at every phase and those were some of the best, you know, creative meetings of my life. It's almost like cheating. You're working with friends. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's exactly what I wanted to do. Like, I, I just want to work with people I enjoy. Uh, that way I don't hate what I'm doing. Right. Surprisingly, we're not in comics for the money. <laughs> I don't know many people who are. To be completely honest. Nobody has <laughs> There is that. no money. Um, <laughs> So if you're going to put in the amount of work, I mean, and again, from my angle, I'm, I'm just writing the thing. It's it's work, don't get me wrong, but it's nothing compared to, let's say, drawing the book. You, know, Valentine, you lived with this book for what, a, two years? Two, two years, yeah, I was working yeah. on it for two years. So, you know, you you really do need to work with people you like. Because even if you love them to death, somewhere around like halfway through, you're like, I, I love you, but I need to not talk to you today. <laughs> well, I mean, especially with a, a graphic novel format, I mean, that's a little bit different than a month to month. So, Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I've never tried this before, but I want, I want to give it a shot. Um, so apologies if it tanks, but I've got a few word bubbles that, that really stuck out to me, specific with the book. You know, I'd like to read them, kind of get a response from both of you. What were you thinking at the time? Why did you include that phrase specifically? That sort of thing. So first was, we're all struggling. We just don't wear signs explaining how. I sometimes you just have to be blunt. 
you know, realistically. And I'm going to say that this is a fun idea, but please keep in mind, we will work on this book. I, I don't think I could tell you where that is. <laughs> I know I couldn't. Right? Like, I, I don't know it in context. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, really what I'm trying to get at, though, is 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 the mental health aspect that, that you're trying to to develop and put on display in the book. It's, it's very important to the story. You know, uh, in those teenage developmental, year, developmental years, where we're trying to find ourselves, you know, who we are is, is especially hard. So, that, that, I mean, right, that's really... That's, well, and, and that is something that we really wanted to hit with this book was, again, like, like I said, we didn't want it to be the sitcom, everything's wrapped up. And sometimes in life, there just aren't great solutions. You know, life is messy. Um, and our editor, Jenny Blank, was fantastic at keeping us centered with occasionally, you know, let's be a little bit blunter over here. Let's just say the thing outright because we're writing to a, a cohort that, you know, isn't as experienced reading, let's say, subtext. So, you know, let's let's just put it on the page and not you know, regret it or flinch. Sure. I mean, Casey's parents in the book are, I guess, unsupportive to almost a, a cliched extent. So, you know, why construct them as characters in that way? To, you know, after all, a little help or an understanding can go a long way as parents, you know? Sure. I mean, but you've never met my parents. Let me tell you. <laughs> Very true. And that's the thing is, is there, are, there are parts of this that came, I mean, I wouldn't say like came from our lives, right? But I, I don't think either me or Valentine really had a much better parental experience growing up. Okay. Right. Which is fascinating. I mean... For, for somebody, me, you know, coming from a, my parents were very supportive, if a little bit distant. So, um, yeah, it, it just really struck out to me what Casey was having to, to go through. And, you know, the, the, the world building aspects that, that Valentine alluded to at the beginning um, with taking these steps mentally, you know, kind of into an outer space landscape from time to time. You know, um, that that safe space, like a metaphor for isolation that, you know, everybody's feeling occasionally, if not all the time is adolescence. So how did that how does that vehicle work in the book? You know, what is the significance specifically of those those moments for her? Um, like I like to think. I'm pretty transparent with my mental health struggles. Um, so it was important for me to put it on the page. And I have a tendency to sometimes disassociate when everything gets overwhelming. Um, I don't necessarily imagine myself in space, uh, but it was a, it was like, I've always an, admired space and space stories. So it felt like an easy grab. Um, and it was different enough from the the quote-unquote normal on the page to differentiate it from everything else yeah i mean and in the inclusion of you know valentine you're a bass player if i i think yeah. i was reading that somewhere you know and and including uh casey playing the bass as that element into the the story why include something you know so personal was there ever an idea that it would be a cello or a flute or, or something like that um, no, uh, for me, it was always, uh, again, like if I'm spending two years of my life, like working on this thing, I'm not going to be able to resist putting myself 
onto the page or onto some of these characters, uh, even subconsciously. Um, so I figured I might as well lean into it. And we, we wanted her to have uh, an interest in music. So it became very, like, it just felt obvious to me. Like, well, I'll just make her a bass player. If for no other reason, uh, I have basses to draw as reference. Uh, so I Although... Although you did design her base to be mine, not one of yours, which <laughs> is still one of those questionable choices, given that you had the reference in your house. <laughs> this is true. I just, yeah, I mean, we make choices, but I still have easy access to yours. True. You do have keys to the house. Right. And I was taking pictures when you weren't looking. Oh, good. Sneaky, <laughs> sneaky, so very sneaky. Well, you've you've also got the reference in there uh, to to Stevie Wonder's "I Wish." So, is that your favorite Stevie Wonder song? Oh, it it might be my favorite Stevie Wonder song, um, but it was definitely the Stevie Wonder song that I was learning how to play when we kind of came up with the story. Um, so it was easy for me to be, be like, "Oh, this is." this is the part that she would be struggling with because it's the part that I'm struggling with. Um, and one of the things Adam loves to point out is that song was not played on a bass. Uh, he just loves to rib me about that. Yeah, that, that, the bass line in that song is actually uh, on keyboards. And every Wait. bass player loves the song and it's one of the world's best bass lines. And yes. once we once we thought about you know she's relearning a song we both kind of hit on on the same song because I adore that song, but in the actual recording that's not a real bass. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a synth. Okay, um, I spent fifteen years um, working with rock bands and stuff on the road, so you you taught me something new today. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've been covering a lot of you know YA books recently as well, and the the LGBTQ focus over the last couple of years in in those books has become more pronounced, which I'm 100% in support of. You know, here it's present, but it's a bit more uniquely and purposefully, as you guys characterized it. You know, the norm, the sketch session at the end, you know, representing diversity is the norm and very intentional. You know, I find it refreshing because it feels more authentic. But why go that route specifically? Do you want to jump in on this one, Adam? Sure. Um, I mean, ain't none of us straight, so <laughs> start there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've been writing stuff for a long time, and I haven't really been writing a lot of straight people for a long time. Sure. Um, and I think you have to start putting out into the world what you want the world to be as much as you also reflect what the world is. And a lot of people who are younger than us it is the norm. It's not some new different thing. It was, you know, very different when we were growing up. And, you know, if we were writing a book set then, this would be a very different book. But it isn't something to necessarily call out as strange. It's just who they are, because that is the world. And so you just, you reflect that. You just move forward with it. Yeah, I mean, it struck me as, as, as a novelly unfortunately authentic portrayal of of youth now um so i found it really really refreshing well thank you 
So what would you say to your teenage selves if you had a chance to sit down with them over coffee? <laughs> oh, so many oh. things. Yeah, like where to begin? Um, okay, so this is a good question. All right. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd probably start with uh, it's about to get real weird. Uh, drawing will see you through it. Uh, so definitely double down on that. Um, but ultimately on the other side, it'll be okay. Like you will, you will find help that you need. Uh, you will find people that you need and yeah, it'll, it, I know it feels insurmountable now, but it'll be okay. That's Adam? the short answer. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm still thinking of it because I, you know, it wasn't that I ever doubted it would be okay or it wouldn't be okay. It just genuinely didn't even occur to me that it would be one thing or another. Back then, I was just, I don't even know. Um, you know, busy trying to not fall down various rabbit holes, um, many of which I did. But again, all of which got me to where I am. So it's kind of like, yeah, you know, just shut up and keep doing what you're doing and just run with it like just don't ever fear things so getting to that evolution over time you know that we all kind of go through what were some of your influences behind the project like how long has this been simmering i mean this specific story honestly at least for me wasn't really simmering until me and valentine were sitting around talking on my patio and decided to do something and it all kind of just came together really quickly, honestly. Um, it it hadn't been a long term like thought thing for me. A lot of a lot of the comic stuff I do isn't really like, oh, I, I want to get to this eventually. It just kind of springs up, and you know, sometimes there's I'm lucky enough there's an artist around who's like, yeah, it makes sense, and <laughs> here we go from there. So how did it end up with Dark Horse? Oh, that's a weird road. You, you want to go ahead and try to untangle that one? I feel that was all you. Um, so we, let's see. Um, yeah, like we, we had the idea and we, like we started working on it. I put pitch pages, Adam wrote some pitch pages. I drew them. Uh, Frank lettered them, and uh, we took it. So we took it to another publisher first, and they didn't quite seem to get it. Like they wanted us to lean more heavily into um, the space aspect and have it become like a space fantasy science fiction story. And. Um. And it could have it could have totally worked. It wouldn't have been what we got out of it. But it, I mean, I'm you know, I I won't say that they were like wrong necessarily. Just right. it wasn't what we wanted to do. And then Adam knew some folks at Dark Horse, uh, so we like I felt it was a, a shot in the dark, um, but it was definitely a shot worth taking. And they responded really well to it. And uh, again, like Jenny, our editor, uh, really seemed 
to understand the story we were trying to tell. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about that. Turning it into like a sci-fi would, to me, it's it's what I really, really enjoy about this book is its purity. Um, because it's, in, in many ways, it's unflinching. You, you know, you're not dodging the the issues with family you're not you know dodging um coming to grips with your sexuality um and the the messy aspects of figuring yourself out um i love that about the book so i'm and, really like, and again, we, we could do that as sci-fi like i i could see how it would shape out in my head if i think about it for a minute those are i mean obviously you can do all of those things in space just as easily as you can in new york yeah um but there is that slight level of remove because, you know, it isn't just outside your window. It isn't just people you directly might know. And I think that that distance is what kind of made us go, maybe not the right path. Well, yeah, is it a, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah, I'd say that tracks. So is it a, a standalone story arc? It feels like a standalone kind of story. Uh, I mean, I don't think that's something we can come down on one way or the other right now. Okay. Well, yeah, what else I, are you... Go ahead. I was going to say, I feel there's more there if we want it to be. Right. And if Dark Horse wants it to be, which is yeah. why we really shouldn't come down on that right this <laughs> second, because it's not fully up to us. <laughs> Uh, that's how those these things go. Um, well, maybe I look more than your average reader for the little hidden gems tucked away in the, the pages of everyone's book. But um, you've got to tell me about the cover of your novel, novel um, The Culture Skeleton, because it shows up in Casey's room in the airless year. And it caught my I love playing card artwork. So what's the mm. story behind that? Well, I, I have um, I wrote a novel called Culture Skeleton a few years back. And talked to my publisher about what we wanted to do with the cover and we ended up hiring Valentine to paint the cover. So I actually have the original oil painting in my house. And so he just decided to use the art in Casey's room. Um, yeah, I, was, I, I figured <laughs> I, like, I'm working with the writer of uh, Culture Skeleton, so like that path is clear. I created it so I don't have to get like the artist's permission. Uh, and I was trying to decorate Casey's room, and I always thought it was a fun image. Oh, I love it. I, I yeah, he, he did the art for the next book in the kind of not really a series at all, and we'll be hopefully doing the art for the last one if I ever finish writing it. <laughs> so, oh, for sure. What else do you guys have going on? What other projects are you working on? Well, I have this novel that's two years late. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh dear I'm going to get in trouble for that eventually um, yeah, doubtful <laughs> but yeah well I mean you know my publisher would like the book um, yeah I, I have a novel that should be out whenever I finish it and you know editing happens um, and some other stuff that I really am not allowed to talk about right now okay yeah and I'm just kind of uh, I guess between things for the most part. Um, 
I, I'm getting back into painting in a big way uh, and just applying self-care after working on a graphic novel for two years. So Valentine, I wanted to ask you, uh, on your website, you have what looks like these con exclusive PSA or, you know, like a girl series um, oh, yeah. with the, you know, the very empowering images of female bodied characters. So I, I think they're amazing. Tell me about those. Oh, so I do a lot of prints at cons. It, it's like one of my main joys in life uh, in the before times anyway. And uh, people started asking me for more fan art because I, I very purposely decided to do more uh, like generalized PSAs. They're, like there's a whole line of like a girl um, pieces because uh, I, I was waiting for the bus one day and somebody's like somebody at the bus stop said to their friend that they hit like a girl. And I was like, why is that? Like, I remember growing up with that like ideology in my head because of society and I was like why is that a bad thing uh so I I wanted to push the pendulum back in the other direction as much as I could and uh yeah so doing the con exclusives was just a way to to incorporate some fan art and create uh like a a more of a collector's model for people because I love I love collecting things and there are a number of people who who follow me around, who go to different cons, uh, who try to pick them up at every con that I go to. Okay. So are you both doing or planning on doing a lot of cons to kind of promote this and other stuff this year? I am. Uh, yeah, I'm on the fence. Um, we'll see how the pandemic develops. You know, I mean, again, like I was thinking i still am thinking about emerald city if you know i end up getting a table but let's see if they decide that they don't need masks at all at yeah. the show you know it's tricky come yeah, to florida it, half of us like aren't paying any attention at all to it right now it's it's crazy <laughs> down here anyway moving on yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean that that's the problem right like you want to go out and promote the book and, and we'll hopefully have some signings around the portland seattle area but conventions are still kind of iffy, at least for me. Yeah, for sure. I, I totally get it. I'm, I was thinking about trying to hit something locally, but well, um, that's really, that's all I got. Thank you guys for joining me today and what we call the Triple C podcast to talk about the airless year. I really enjoyed the book. I, I hope we've teased enough, you know, to, to pull everybody into to wanting to go buy it. i absolutely think they should I mean, it's, it's fantastic um i'm really excited about it um oh, when does you. it hit when does it hit uh shelves and online uh well the thanks to <laughs> the ongoing situation with the world um it actually has slipped its date a little bit it was originally early june now it is june 22nd okay okay so late june we'll be looking for it um yeah. all right well thank you guys for joining me this is Byron O'Neill for Comic Book Yeti. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Thank you much. Thanks. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptic Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening.
If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.